Welcome into episode zero of the Outpitch Podcast. I am Justin Havlock, and with me today is my wonderful co-host, Crystal O'Keefe. Crystal, how are you doing today? I am great. I am excited to be here and being able to do this with you. Awesome. We've got an exciting episode today going through the World Baseball Classic and talking about some of what's been going on in spring training. But first, we'll just introduce ourselves. My name is Justin Havlock. I'm a staff writer and podcast producer slash editor at List, moderator and editor at PitcherList. You can find me on Twitter at Havlock Justin. I also dabble in stand-up comedy in my spare time, and I'm also a self-proclaimed hot sauce aficionado. So if you're interested in that, feel free to reach out and say hi on Twitter, or if you're in our PitcherList Discord over there. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself and what you're working on, Crystal. Yeah. So I'm Crystal O'Keefe. I am a weekly newsletter, kind of um, MLB News and Now moments. I write that. It'll be every Friday. My articles will come out weekly during the season. I also am a writer and managing editor for both Southside Sox and Willits Pin, so covering the White Sox and the Mets. And I've got another podcast called Soxy Chicks. And I do another podcast with Southside Sox where I preview games and invite guests from other fandoms on to help me preview their upcoming series. I am also a busy mother of two and a dog mom now as well. And yeah, that's really me in a nutshell. I'm Always on Twitter, though. So if you want to come find me, I am at Crystal underscore OK. So I love to interact with people. So come find me on there. Absolutely. Great podcast there and some great content. So um, make sure you drop Crystal a follow. So without further ado, let's introduce the podcast. The Outpitch Podcast is your new home for everything to do with the human side of baseball. And often the sports world is at large as well. Each week, we'll bring you some of our takes on what's happening on the field, as well as a deep dive into some of the social issues that are affecting fans, athletes, and, of course, the game itself. Crystal and I already have an exciting starting rotation of recurring co-hosts and special guests lined up for you that were very eager to share their passions and experiences. Uh, so you can look forward to that over the next couple of months as baseball season gets started. Our aim is to make the voices that you hear each week as diverse as the issues we will be tackling. So if you're interested in uh, coming onto the podcast, don't be shy and send me a DM on Twitter and we can talk about what issues you're passionate about. Hopefully bring that to the table. Yeah, we really want some diverse topics. So please let us know. All right. So we... Uh, wanted to first get to know each other and maybe talk about what started your love of baseball. I know mine was what we only had WGN when I was a kid, so I watched a lot of Cubs games actually. That was one of the closest places to where I was, and my aunt and my grandpa were both big Cubs fans, so I would watch them, and it just became something that took over me completely and now I'm the baseball girl that everybody knows and talks to although I've switched allegiances and I'm a Chicago White Sox fan 
and a Mets fan. They're my National League team, but I just, I grew up and was raised on baseball and then it just became a hobby and a passion project. And then I got to writing full-time about it, which makes me so happy. What about you? Yeah, I'm the same. I've been a baseball fan for as long as I can remember. Uh, For me as a Canadian and uh, Toronto Blue Jays fan, hockey was always the kind of focus of my childhood, but I was also raised as a big Blue Jays fan. I was born during the 92 World Series run and Jays went back to back. So I was a bit too young to remember, but I kind of grew up on those highlights. Joe Carter and the brother Alomar and so many of those great moments. For me as a kid, I go over to my grandparents on the weekends and I always love spending time with them and watch a Jays game together or sometimes they take me to a game. So I really just grew up immersed in baseball. And for me, the real clincher was Roy Halladay. Growing mm-hmm. up a Blue Jays fan and watching Roy Halladay make his debut and really kind of blossom into the pitcher that he became with the Blue Jays, it just made me fall in love with baseball. Stuff was so unhittable. Every time he took them out, it was just must-see television. From a very young age, I was completely hooked on the sport. The movement that he had on his curveball would just fascinate me as a kid. Where I'm like, I don't know how a human being can do that. <laughs> that was that was how I was with Ryan Sandberg. I always was just fascinated. I love him. And I still do, even though I'm not a Cubs fan. Like I, I have so much respect for him. And he was the one that really got me to love baseball just because he was so cool and so fun to watch. Yeah, I think that ties in perfectly to what we're talking about here on the podcast when we talk about the human side of baseball. There's so many players that we grow up with or develop an attachment to over the years that fuel the reason why we love baseball. At the end of the day, we're not just watching some kind of AI system play out a simulation of what's happening. We're watching real people get out on the field and do some amazing things. So we want to try and bring some of the stories behind some of these players to life here. Yeah, I have stories for, I mean, I, I'm right by a minor league baseball team, really close. So I watched Andrew McCutcheon and Austin Meadows kind of bloom into what they are now. And that makes me feel really old because Andrew McCutcheon could retire any day now. But yeah, I watched them just kind of bloom and I've always followed both of them, no matter where they're at, um, across the across the states and beyond. So yeah, it's. You fall in love with these guys. It's really easy to do that. Absolutely. I had a similar thought the other day with Adam Wainwright. He made his MLB debut when I was in high school. I just started grade nine, and I remember watching that start. And he's somehow still pitching. So it's one of the truly incredible things about the game is the attachment that you wind up having to certain players. And sometimes can be a bit of a thing that hurts you in fantasy when you get overly attached. But <laughs> yes. Um, At the end of the day, it's why so many people play fantasy, because we want to hoard our favorite players and show off how good they are to other people. Absolutely. I would pick Michael Kopech on any fantasy team ever because he's just one of my favorites and he happens to be great when he's healthy. So, yeah, I can totally relate to that sentiment. That's a perfect segue into uh, some of our spring training highlights because I feel the same way about Ricky Tiedemann. Obviously, as a Blue Jays fan with a podcast, I'm legally obligated to talk about Ricky Tiedemann here. (laughs) 
But realistically, there's a good reason why there's so much hype and why so many people are talking about him because he's only 20 and he's throwing 99 miles an hour in spring training. I watched a couple of weeks ago and make his spring training debut and it was absolutely wild. He went one inning, struck out two on only 12 pitches. He was through nine strikes. This is a player that is going to be in the major leagues this year. I know there was a lot of question in Jay's Nation about whether or not he'd be up this year and how much he pitched. And there's still not a ton of clarity as to when he'll step into a role in the rotation. He's definitely going to be starting the season in the minors right now, especially I know he's had a shoulder issue. But the future is very bright for him. He's going to be an incredibly talented player, and I don't think it'll be very long before he steps into the fifth rotation spot in Toronto. No, absolutely not. I've seen a little bit with him, and he does, he looks great. He's he's going to be a star, and he'll be one of those that lasts a long time, I feel like. I mean, he's really young, but if he's already that good at such a young age, it's it's amazing. Yep. Speaking of Roy Holiday, he could be the Roy Holiday for the next generation. He's certainly got the stuff to live up to that kind of hype. One of the other players I have to shout out in spring training has been Addison Barger. He's a player who will also probably be starting the sea liners, but should be up before long. I think with the Jays middle infield right now, obviously they've got Bogus at shortstop, but second base is at least a question mark. They've got Kevin Biggio, they've got Whitten Merrifield, they've got Santiago Espinal, but none of those names are really guys that are going to knock your socks off. So yeah. with the fences being pulled in in Toronto, those are certainly some guys that could have a big season and maybe lock down that role full time. But there's definitely a room for Addison Barker to come up and be a part of that lineup. Otto Lopez, a lot of people are saying right now, will actually make the Blue Jays out of camp. So he's another interesting thing to keep your eye on. But I think between the two of them, Addison Barger is the player that has more upside long time, long term. Hopefully he'll be up before long and Blue Jays fans can have cheeseburger. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because we have our, we've got Jake Berger and he has been phenomenal throughout spring training. He's so much fun to watch, and it, I'm bummed, not really because he was terrible, but we used to have Jace Fry, and I just think it would have been amazing if we had Berger and Fry still in the lineup, but yeah, Jake Berger, he's fun, and I hope the White Sox do not waste his potential because <laughs> he can knock him out of the park. He's a power hitter in every sense of the, the phrase. I mean, Berger and Fry is a whole other kind of combo meal. <laughs> So I'm curious to get your thoughts. What do you think this season has in store for the White Sox? I am trying to just be really cautiously optimistic. On paper, the team looks phenomenal. Lucas Giolito is looking a lot better. Lance Lynn is dominating. So that pitching rotation, I'm not super worried about. It's really just if guys can stay healthy because they didn't do a whole lot in the offseason. Um, and Ailo Jimenez, Yohan Mancada, I feel like they're constantly just back and forth on the injured list. So I need our like powerful hitters to stay really healthy. And I need Michael Kopech to stay really healthy so that they can actually pull through. I don't think they'll make it to postseason, but I think they're going to at least put up a fight. They have so many talented players. There's There's no reason that they should be failing as much as they do. I think you totally hit the nail on the head in terms of them just staying healthy. 
Yeah. I think if Michael Kopech can go 180 to 200 innings this year and Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert are fixtures in the outfield or even in a DH role, uh, this could be a big year for the White Sox. They're not in the most competitive division in baseball either. That's Uh, the thing. We can be terrible, but still be like second place in our division because it it is so bad. Yeah, the Twins are going to be a very dangerous team this year. But the Tigers and Royals are still spinning the wheels in their mud. Who knows what's going to happen with those teams this year? Um, And the Cleveland Guardians. Fourth with the Guardians in that ranking. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. The Cleveland Guardians, I think, are really the biggest competition for the White Sox. They've got a very dangerous pitching staff and some very fun prospects coming up through the pipeline. But if those guys struggle, if Aaron Savali bounce back isn't real or Cal Quantrill keeps doing what he's done in the last couple of years, there's absolutely room for the White Sox in that division. That's my hope. And I, I need Tim Anderson to get back in the groove and be back in that padding title spot that he's been in. Because he kind of had a slump last year, so I need him to improve. But otherwise, I'm optimistic that it won't be a bad season. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot to be optimistic about in Chicago. In Toronto, I think it's a very similar story. There's a very deep roster here, and deeper than I've seen in a while. The Blue Jays traded away to Oscar Hernandez and uh, Luis, sorry, Lourdes Grail Jr. over the offseason, but they've made a lot of moves to get better and to get even more competitive than they were last year, which was already a good season. Obviously, we struggled against the Seattle Mariners in the playoffs, but they've really revamped this team, and especially with a focus on run prevention, bringing in Dalton Marshall, who I really wasn't honestly that in on when he mm-hmm. first got traded to the Blue Jays. I'm a big Gabriel Moreno fan, so that was something that really stung for me. But Dalton Varsha brings a lot to the table with that glove. He does. Um, He's fun to watch, too. Yeah, he reminds me of a former Blue Jay, to be honest, Kevin Pillar. Oh, a guy yeah. who can contend for a golden glove. He's got power. He's got speed. I'm not quite convinced that he's got the level of power that he had last season, but even if he has only 10 to 15 home runs this season, that's still, with the glove that he brings to the table, a really good baseball player. You've got an absolutely stacked rotation in Toronto with Chris Bassett there now. Obviously, I've got my homer bias here, but I know last year I'd really had my fingers crossed for the Jays to go to the World Series. I think I may have just been a year too early. With all these additions, yeah. I think this could absolutely be a year where the Jays go on a deep playoff run. Especially, too, the Yankees aren't, I don't think they're as competitive as they have been in the past couple of years. They re signed Aaron Judge, and obviously that's a huge necessary signing for them but I think it might have handcuffed them a little bit in terms of what they could add to that team because when you look at the bottom of that lineup you're really relying heavily on an aging DJ LeMayhew, Anthony Rizzo, Josh Donaldson or breakout seasons from Oswald Peraza, Oswald Cabrero and Anthony Volpe who we're hearing now will probably make the team out of spring training so there's definitely a lot of pieces there for the Yankees. They're still the Yankees. They're not a team I'm just going to write off. This is still <laughs> yeah. a team that will definitely be above 500. But I don't think they're the powerhouse New York Yankees that we've become accustomed to over the past couple of years. Yeah, they're, they're slowing down, thankfully. Speaking of really fun baseball to watch, we've got the World Baseball Classic. 
It could just end last night. Spoiler alert, Japan won it all. Um, but Justin and I, right before the show, were talking about how we were both kind of rooting for Japan anyway, even though I am from the United States. I was still a little excited about Japan winning, but yeah, your your team got blown out 12 to 1 by my team USA. <laughs> How does that feel? Yeah, that was a that was a tough pull to swallow, especially because I'd only seen an inning here or there. Really, Team Canada versus Team USA was the first game I really sat down and watched from start to finish. And then the first or second inning, we go down all the one. I'm like, oh, this is great! I finally get the chance to sit down and watch the game and enjoy myself. And we're getting absolutely shelled. Yeah, um, I mean, Team USA got, really got Trey really Turner. Last night. It's going to be tough to beat Trey Turner in anything. Team USA yep. went on to rally, though, to make it to the finals, which was fun. It it was fun watching Lance Lynn pitch. He's one of my favorite. Even if I wasn't a White Sox fan, he'd be one of my favorite pitchers in the entire league, only to be taken out by Shohei Otani <laughs> via Mike Trout. <laughs> Poor Mike Trout. It was a really great tournament. We saw Team Japan make an incredible comeback against Mexico in the semifinals. And then, of course, the big win last night. Team USA still, they only barely lost very late in the game. Mike Trout winds up taking one of those Shohei Otani fastballs yard. We could be talking about a very different story right now. It was a real nail biter. Yeah, they kept it. They kept it really fun. They kept it really competitive the entire time, which... I give props to because it, it was just a blast to watch. And I'm just so happy for Shohei. Like, again, he's another one that's just one of my all-time favorites right now. Yeah, he's a he's a very dynamic player, but also just a very easy guy to cheer for. Yeah. He also looks like a Disney prince. I always Absolutely. hear these comparisons, and now, like, I I really see it. He's just the best. Yeah, I completely agree. So I think that segues well into the deep dive that we're doing today. How can you not be romantic about baseball? How can you not look at something like the World Baseball Classic and think that it's good for sport? I know there's been a lot of discussion that I'm sure many people have seen on Twitter, certain former sports writers taking issue with World Baseball Classic, specifically with the Edwin T.S. injury, which... To a certain degree is understandable. None of us like watching a player like Edwin Diaz be knocked out for this season. He's one of the most fun pitchers in all of baseball to watch. And it's very disappointing that we won't have him in 2023. But at the same time, injuries are just a natural part of sports. They're not something that we can avoid. I find it very interesting sometimes that some of these claims with the World Baseball Classic don't really get leveled in terms of injury risk throughout the season. Only during the World Baseball Classic do we hear these conversations about, oh, we need to have less baseball. It's not good when we have these fun, exciting games to watch because players are going to get hurt. I don't really hear a lot of those same critics talking about an 81-game season, cutting it in half and saying, okay, let's sort of half the chances for guys to get injured because baseball's better when we've got the best players out there, which I do agree with, but at what cost? Yeah. And it's also interesting that they don't talk about canceling spring training when players go down because we already saw it this year with spring training. You know, players get injured. It's a, it's a part of life. This game is incredibly hard on your body as is, and there are always going to be freak accidents. 
the Edwin Diaz thing, freak accident, celebrating their win. You know, I've seen players fall off the mound and they're out for six weeks because they injured something. Like that's just a part of life. It's a part of playing any sport. It's a risk that you always are going to have to take. And yet they don't complain about spring training like they did World Baseball Classic. You do see some very fluky injuries sometimes. Players getting hurt, getting dressed in the locker room, or getting frustrated while playing some video games. We're not going to go out there and tell players they can't play video games in their downtime. These are human beings. They're allowed to enjoy themselves when they're not working the same as the rest of us. So I, I completely agree. And I think it's very interesting that some of the people that took issue with the World Baseball Classic in that context also seem to be directing a lot of the criticism toward female sports writers in the industry. There was a very specific audience that they were targeting in their replies. So it may be more a scapegoat here for some much deeper issues that are probably a good topic for another episode of the podcast. Yeah, we could go on for days about that one. But yeah, it, it's gross. It is, it's just gross how much women in the industry or, I mean, not even just women, it's gross how if you're not a cis white male, you're going to get a ton of flack. And, you know, as a, as a queer woman in this industry, it is just disgusting. The vitriol we, we receive for just even just talking about the sport, you know, I always joke about how, you know, you can you can say you're into sports, but then the guy will say, well, what's so-and-so's blood type? Who was the coach in 1932? And I'm like, that doesn't matter at all. I'm allowed to like this sport, and I probably know more about it than you do. But yeah, women are just constantly the scapegoats for everything in the sports world. And it's so discouraging because there are so many amazing women in this field that deserve all the praise, but it's just so gross how they're treated. Yeah, absolutely. As an openly gay man myself in this industry, I know I've certainly had my fair share of comments about who should or shouldn't be in the industry and, uh, how much I actually know as a baseball fan, it can be very disheartening and very difficult. Um, I mentioned at the top of the podcast that I grew up being a big fan. One of the big reasons over the last couple of years where I tuned out of hockey has been realizing that a lot of the negativity I was getting was specifically coming from that part of sports world. So I chose to focus on baseball and football and the sports where I seem to get much more respect. So it's really something that's very disheartening to hear that people are still being treated this way in 2023. We need to do better. Yeah. Plain and simple. Like we, I know we mentioned this before the show, we just have to hope the newer generations coming in are going to set a better, better example. And, you know, me as a millennial parent, I make sure that my kids are, being respectful at all times like they they learn a lot about life and the world and i help i mean I, I hold myself accountable for the people that they are going to be when they're older and not enough people did that when i was a kid this is a reason why it's so important to have 
representation within the industry when it comes to any marginalized group, really. We don't have to single any one group out. Um, we were just speaking about the World Baseball Classic. I, I think it's so important for so many fans across the world to see themselves reflected in the game and to be able to engage these players on their own home teams, in their own home countries, and allowing players to celebrate their own unique identities. Uh, it's not something I think baseball does anywhere near enough of. There was a great piece I read the other day in the Pitcherless newsletter by Daniel Port, uh, where he made this exact point that baseball is for everyone. Uh, baseball is a global sport. It's not just American. It's not just the MLB. And that's one of the amazing things about the World Baseball Classic is seeing that reflected, knowing the difference that can make for people who may only get this opportunity once or twice in their career, much like the Olympics. Uh, the next World Baseball Classic has already been confirmed, but it's not until 2026. Adam Wainwright is already up there in years. I don't think he'll be playing for Team USA in 2026. I mean, never say never. He could go the Tom Brady route here for sure. But for players that don't get these opportunities that often, I think it's really important to acknowledge what it means to players, not just for fans, but for players to be able to be themselves out there on the field and to be appreciated and valued for what they bring to the table and who they are. Because like I said earlier, this is not an AI simulator. This is a game that's played by human beings, all of whom bring very interesting stories to the table. I know a lot of people were absolutely falling in love with Roki Sasaki in this tournament and what he was throwing and with very good reason. But mm -hmm. I think it's also important to dig a little deeper and to talk about the human being that's underneath that as well. Uh, there was an interesting story I was hearing after the broadcast just last night uh, that I wasn't even aware of about how he lost his father and his grandparents in Tsunami several years ago. And he's overcome so much adversity to get to the point where he's at in his career. It's something that I personally can't even imagine. No, so, I, I couldn't do it for sure. I mean, and these players always have things going on in their lives, you know. They could be struggling with their marriage. They could be a new dad and they're just exhausted all around, you know, or for this example, they lost really important people in their lives and nobody understands that, especially I notice it in fantasy baseball the most where they get so mad at their, their player for not performing like they want to. And at the end of the day, I'm like, they, they're human you're allowed to have bad days, you know, you might have a bad day at work. You're not going to get fired just for one bad day. So leave these guys alone. They are doing their best. They're playing their best. They're trying hard and they're not puppets in your hand. You have to let them be people. I think it's very easy to fall into this trap that because they have such a fun job that so many of us envy, that we'd love to be these athletes ourselves or we see the contracts that they have and we think that because they make millions of dollars, we're entitled to treat them with less respect, which is completely unfair. But at the end of the day, this is still a workplace. This is still their job. We all go through difficult days, like you said. 
this is work for these players. They're allowed to have off days the same way that anybody listening is allowed to have an off day. It's really important that we cut them that slack and remind ourselves sometimes that when that player on your squad has a rough outing and gets lit up, he may have been going on in his personal life. A couple of years ago, there was a lot of talk about Keston Hyura having a breakout season. I myself was somebody that was very on board that hype train, and I was going through some of the numbers and trying to figure out why this breakout never materialized. And I came across a headline that right before the season started, in the middle of spring training, his mother had been diagnosed with cancer. That's something that makes it so difficult to go to your work and be focused. That had an impact on him. Uh, we've seen guys like Chris Davis go over 50 where they just get the yips. I think it's not unreasonable at all to suggest that Keston Hyera's season may have been derailed by some of the emotional struggles that he was having, and rightfully so. Yeah, exactly. So shifting gears to get back into the World Baseball Classic, there are some more interesting players that I'd like to bring up. Duke Heber, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, was another Great story that we saw coming out of the World Baseball Classic. A player for Team Nicaragua who struck out Juan Soto, Leo Rodriguez, and Rafael Devers playing against the Dominican Republic and earned a minor league contract with the Detroit Tigers from that one outing. And yeah. obviously as a prospect, he brings a lot more to the table. But I think this is one of the reasons why tournaments like this are so important. There are always these players who we aren't paying much attention to that come out of nowhere and just completely capture our attention. I think it's really important to acknowledge the place that these kind of tournaments have in highlighting players that you may not otherwise know about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we I, I remember early pandemic days when baseball was barely happening. Everyone was obsessed and staying up until 3 a.m. to watch like Korean baseball. Like I was one of them. Like I, like, I loved the dinos. And for there to be so much backlash from this World Baseball Classic is so odd to me. You know, I know racism is still so prevalent and some people just can't stand diversity, but you can't say, oh gosh, yeah, I was up until 3 a.m. watching baseball that was taking place in Korea and then say, oh, I hate this. Um it should just be United States. Like the density in these brains of these people when they say things like that just blows me away. Yeah. One of the things I was focusing on during the tournament is that the MLB is the only sports league that calls its championship the World Series. The World Baseball Classic actually uses international play to determine which country is the best in the world. And people say, no, 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 this isn't real baseball. Let's just save it all for the MLB. I really think it's a very unusual take, to say the least. Uh, baseball is such a diverse sport. We've got people from countries all over the world. It's so unnecessary to show that kind of negativity. You don't have to watch the tournament at the end of the day. For the people out there that don't like it and just want to see MLB games, you can tune out and let the rest of us enjoy these amazing moments. Shohei Otani versus Mike Trout in the final out of the game on a full count. Baseball doesn't get any better than that. No, those are two of the best in the league. And it's so much fun to watch. And and it is it is kind of 
odd that it is called the World Series because these teams aren't competing. But I remember one of those teams I was talking about earlier, they were giving out, like, when they won their championship, I can't remember exactly what it was called, but they were getting out, like, swords as their trophy. It was, like, this glass sword, and it was so cool. And I'm like, we need to bring this here. Like, I want to see more of this. This is so much fun. So, yeah, they. I wish it was more of a, a World Series, and it's not just the United States and Canada and competing against, you know, all the, what, 30-some-odd teams in the league. Like, I would love to open it up to more. I want just a constant World Baseball Classic, like, an ongoing, just to replace that. I mean, this is something I'd be happy to have every single season. Baseball needs more of this, not less. I know with Team Canada, when we got absolutely shelled, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, 12 to 1, for a lot of fans on Twitter kind of going out there and saying like, oh, yeah, it's because anybody can pitch for Team Canada. We don't have a strong enough program. Let me tell you, that is not the case. No, it's I could not walk on and go play for Team Canada right now. In order to get to this level, you need to have a certain baseline. You need to be able to bring certain skills to the table. And there's also the mentality piece of it. You need to bring a certain mentality to the table. We've seen teams more and more over recent years emphasizing that clubhouse culture and realizing how important that kind of mentality is to creating a winning team. So it's really something that I think needs to be celebrated, just the individuality that a tournament like the World Baseball Classic allows us to be able to see and to soak up some of these players. Yeah, and and those celebrations were so fun because you get to, I mean, that was a blast. Minus Edwin Diaz injuring himself <laughs> during a celebration. But I mean, it was just, it's great to watch these teams just be so excited and celebrate and you can see what it's like on their side of the planet, you know, they're, they're just a blast. And, and yeah, you, you make a comment about Japan's walk off in the notes against Mexico and how excited they were. And like, I remember watching clips of that on Twitter and I'm like brought to tears. I was like, this is exciting. Like I want to be in the middle of that celebrating. This is just so much fun. And, Oh, I, I love it. And I wish people were more open to it and not saying that it's a waste of time and bad for baseball because there were way too many of those comments on my timeline. Yeah. At the end of the day, Edwin Diaz's injury that started a lot of this controversy, it was because he was celebrating. It was because he was having so much fun and he was so excited. I don't see what right we have to take that away from players. If the players are going out there and having this much fun and enjoying themselves, that's something that we should be trying to find as many ways as possible to make sure we have more of that in baseball, not less. Yeah, and it happens It, it happens during the season. I watched Aloy Jimenez celebrate coming home and winning the game, and then he was injured and was out for two weeks. Like, it... It doesn't matter. It's going to happen no, no matter what. Yeah, you, you can't really avoid injuries. We can't bubble wrap these players and just stick them on a shelf when they're not pitching. They're human beings that have lives outside of baseball, and sometimes that means they're going to get hurt. 
is just something we just need to cope with and enjoy the fact that, speaking of the Edwin Diaz injury, this is going to bring out more of interesting names that we weren't paying attention to. Let's not look at him as if he's the only player in baseball worth watching. That does a yeah. big disservice to everybody else playing in the game, not just on the Mets. Yeah, I mean, I was obviously bummed as a Mets fan, but it's unavoidable. He's great, but there are others that can fill those shoes. Maybe not to the Narcos theme song, but, you know, plenty of others that can fill that void for everyone. Exactly. So many of the big names that we've come to know and love have come out of a situation like this. There are so many players that I think we sometimes lose sight of. The reason why they got their opportunity when they did is because of an injury to someone. If Ricky Tiedemann, that we talked about earlier, gets a chance to pitch a significant amount of innings with the Blue Jays this year, it'll be because of an injury. It'll be because Yusei Kikuchi or Chris Bassett or someone else in that rotation winds up missing a significant chunk of time. And while we have every reason to be sad and disappointed that we won't get to see both players watch, let's not do the rest of the team and the rest of the league really a disservice by seeing that the replacements aren't interesting to watch because as much as I'm a Jays fan, I don't want to see anything happen to that starting rotation. If it does, that just means we got to re- see Ricky Keaton that much sooner. And there's other guys like Yasper Zilueta in that organization that are also very exciting to watch. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just have to enjoy the ride. <laughs> That's triggering to White Sox fans, just so you know. <laughs> but yes, I agree. Remember a couple of years ago, your man Mercedes oh, went gosh. off and went on an absolute tear. I, I don't remember if I believe it was Eloy Jimenez, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe you remember. Yeah. I think the whole reason why that happened was because of an Eloy Jimenez injury. Mm-hmm. Yep. He popped up for that and was doing a lot of DHing and just was on fire. He was, I think, the only reason the White Sox did as well as they did that season was because. He was on fire throughout the month of April, and they won so many games that month. Yeah, and he's a player that wasn't on anyone's radar. So it's just something we need to, since it's spring training and the season hasn't even started yet, this is the perfect time for us to give ourselves this quick reality check and remind ourselves we're allowed to be sad when players get hurt, but that's just a sign that somebody interesting is about to come into the picture. Yeah. So been great talking to you about all this crystal we're getting towards the our time today so please make sure to follow us uh again you can find me on twitter at havelock justin and crystal yeah twitter at crystal underscore okay and obviously follow PitcherList too because you'll see a lot of our our content that we put out too there definitely make sure to give PitcherList a follow and uh if you're in PitcherList plus come say hi Tell us what you think of the podcast. We've got a fun content plan for this season, and we're really excited to have lots more of these conversations with you. So please don't be shy to reach out. And like I said earlier, if you want to be involved or just have an idea for a topic that we should talk about on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to myself or Crystal, and we'd be happy to hear your ideas. Yes, we are very open-minded. We want to we want to talk about everything that revolves around this wonderful sport and the human aspect of it. Absolutely. So that's all for today. Uh, Thank you for listening to the Outpitch podcast, and we'll see you next week.
Bye.